Welcome to another episode of Final Level Music Podcast. I'm your host, Ravel Murphy. Today, we welcome to the program, Angeline Saris. Hi, Angeline. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Just, internet, of course, is uh, intermittent and doing remote recordings are a little problematic, but uh, we'll push through. So, let's discuss your music. Uh, one song that I specifically like was the um, Black Strap Molasses. What was the inspiration for that recording? Oh gosh, well, I recorded that about 10 years ago. And, um, you know, my primary instrument is electric bass. And so I had this kind of just what I thought was a pretty fun rocking uh, kind of bass riff. And um, I would get together regularly with my drummer, Lex Razon, and we would sort of um, get together to practice. And that riff and that song sort of came out of that um, with some funk leanings as well. Well, it's a very exciting song. When I listen to it, it makes you want to just get up and, in a venue and kind of rock along with it. Um, the only one part of the solo in a song, in my opinion, it sounds just a little bit like Led Zeppelin, just a tiny bit. So it's like it has a lot of familiarity, but it's new. Uh, have you uh, listened to uh, Zeppelin or been influenced by their music just a tad? <laughs> um, I have, although that song preceded um, what ended up being a seven-year stint with an all-female Led Zeppelin tribute band called Zeppirella. Ah. So yes. I am very familiar with the bass playing of John Paul Jones and the music of Led Zeppelin. It was a huge part of my life for a long time, and I do still love the music. Um, so, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it sounded a little bit familiar, but I know it's new, but it also did sound a bit familiar. So, mm -hmm. what are you working on now? Yeah, so, um, thanks for asking. Uh, well, I have a couple projects. Um, the first is I have a collaborative project called Angelax. And um, the drummer, Lex Razon, that I was talking about earlier, he and I started this project together. And we actually have an 11-piece band. Um, we have two horn players, a keys player, guitar player, percussionist, um, and a singer, and then three MCs that join us sometimes to rap. So it's kind of like a jazz, funk, fusion, hip-hop group. Um, and we came out with an album a couple years ago called Tight Lips which is a really fun mix of a lot of those different types of music. And we just came out with a single called Love Letter, um, which is a love letter to California. It's kind of got this laid back, just funky, groovy, kind of, you know, roll down the windows, let the top off the convertible and take a drive kind of feel. So, um, <laughs> so those are two of the most recent things that I've done in terms of solo projects. And I'm also currently in the studio working on some, um, some stuff of my own. Oh, okay. So, uh, are you playing at any venues, or are you allowed to play at any venues in small capacities, or it all has to be um, restricted to uh, listen to it only through uh, MP3s or through iTunes or, or Spotify? Um, yeah, well, right now, because of the pandemic, I'm in California and San Francisco, and the numbers in California have not dropped to a point yet where um, they've lifted restrictions. So... Um, gigs are far and few between. I've done a couple outdoor ones, um, but all my tours and festivals for the summer were canceled, sadly. Um, I've done a few online, you know, concerts and stuff, which are cool. They're not as fun as the real thing, um, but I've been doing a few of those. 
so. Okay, uh, the, the gigs you have outdoors, is it, um, or is it in the, um, like they're doing in these drive-throughs, um, they do a few of those in Europe right now for live venues, is it that way, or is it uh, people have to be separated by a hundred feet or something like that, or how does it work for your, your live venues? Mm. Um, yeah, there's like outdoor street things, so they have like some stages on the street for these outdoor kind of, they shut down the street so people can kind of hang out um, at night and eat outside and stuff, which is the only thing that's permissible here right now. So, um, that's pretty much the bulk of it. There is one promoter in the area who has been doing um, drive-in concerts, but we are also unfortunately plagued by fires, like really massive fires right now. Um, all of Napa, Oregon, <laughs> Northern California, and parts of LA are just kind of burning right now. So our air quality is today, unfortunately, about 250, which is um, which makes it so you can't be outside. <laughs> so that so they've had to shut down all of these drive-through concerts, and it's been rough. It's been a really challenging couple of months. So. Yes, I, I saw that fires on uh, CNN International over here, and I was uh, very shocked at how fast it just uh, consumes whole little neighborhoods. And it's just, uh, uh, it's very disheartening. In regards to your 10-piece uh, band, do you guys all record together? Are you quarantined together in order to make that work? Or what are the logistics for doing that? Yeah, well, we did have a recording session um, booked for a full for a full band recording in early April, but we had to cancel that um, because uh, for obvious reasons. So we um, are not doing any full band recordings right now. But in addition to Angelex, I have a solo project just under my name, Angeline Saris, and um, I have a single that I'm working on. I'm actually doing most of the playing I in addition to playing bass I play a little bit of some other a little bit of keys a little bit of um, been program, programming some drums um, doing some vocals so it's kind of a solo project right now <laughs> oh great and are you doing a video as well uh, with it like an unplug type of version you know I plan to um, once I get the music done I, I definitely feel like you know the eyes are the new ears these days and a video is a fun way to accompany a release so definitely oh great so when yeah. do you expect to have this project completed or in the can you guys in california yeah. <laughs> you know i'm hoping to get just the single out by the end of the year um i think that's probably realistic with all things considered i also teach um privately which i've ramped up quite a bit since there are no more tours and <laughs> gigs mm -hmm. so um, for anybody interested in bass, I teach privately online, and so I've been doing a lot of that. So in between my teaching, I get into the studio. Oh, great. Is this going to be an independent release, or is it going to be with the um, record label? It's independently released. Okay, so, mm -hmm. okay, great. Well, wish you a lot of luck on that. Regarding to um, getting back on a road, do you have any estimation when you guys are going to be out again? In, in a limited capacity, of course. No, we don't know yet. I mean, it's just so dependent on the pandemic. And right now they're estimating, at least for us in the United States, um, June of 2021. So it's going to be a minute. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
Well, there are a lot of new platforms are coming out where else you can have these live concerts uh, uh, via the internet. So are you going to maybe look for one of those platforms? Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm open to all sorts of options. Um, you know, uh, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not actively searching it right now. I feel like the first step is to finish this single and then perhaps um, look at that. You know, we do have some backyard outdoor stuff around here where um, we've been wanting to hold some shows. So once the air clears up, we can kind of entertain that notion. Oh, great. Well, tell me in regards to this single that you're working on, um, how many takes are do you actually uh, put in in order to make it happen? Or is it something you just one day kind of like magically comes together? Or is just uh, look at it, review it, look at it, review it, look at it, review it, and, and until it feels right? Or what, what's the process for you to release a single like this? Hmm, interesting question. Well, I feel like every song has a different process, um, especially when you you know, during a pandemic when you're working alone more. Um, but for me, it's since I'm a bass player, it usually starts with a bass line um, or if I have a melody in my head. Um, or sometimes it will start with lyrics. If I have a certain catchphrase, I'll build from there. Usually it's one of those three points. And then um, I find drums really inspiring. So that's usually the next thing, whether I bring someone in to sort of record independently or whether I program them. That's the second part. And then from there, just, I mean, we have such a vast um, pool of really talented musicians here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I usually kind of just pull in my homies to uh, <laughs> come and drop, 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 some, drop some of their knowledge on my track. <laughs> and in regarding to putting it all together, do you do most of the mixing or you work with another group to go and refine things? Yeah, I've worked with um, two main mixers. Uh, one of them is Scott Bergstrom. He mixed our um, Angelex Tight Lips album and did a fantastic job. He works out of, well, he used to work out of a studio called 25th Street in Oakland, which is just a beautiful, beautiful studio in Oakland. And now he currently works for Sony, Sony and LucasArts, um, but he's just a masterful mixer. And then um, when I'm not working with him, I also work with Cam Parridge who works out of Burden Egg and also has a, a studio of his own. And he's worked with a ton of great people, just really great mixes. So I leave it to the pros. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. The, the artwork on your uh, single, Black Strap Molasses, I actually really like that. You're sitting in a chair with almost these two massive uh, speakers side by side with you. How did you come up with that idea? Um, well, you know... I, um, is that where I'm in the white ball chair? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Think about that for a second. Um, that's right. I remember now I told you it'd been 10 years. So I almost forgot for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, I love those kind of 1950s ball chairs from back in the day. And I always wanted one. Um, so I got one, but then I realized it didn't, it wouldn't like fit through my front door. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> they're kind of large and they don't disassemble. So anyway, I had it sh uh, shipped to a photographer in Texas and we did a photo shoot with it. And I was like, you know, this would be fun to have on the album cover. And at the time I had um, just connected with Fender. They reached out to me and um, were, was really 
blessed to be offered an endorsement with them. And so um, they sent me two 810 um, Super Basement Pro cabinets mm-hmm. along with uh, a couple 300 watt all tube heads. And we just set those up with that chair. And it was it just, that's like the sound of the bass, right? <laughs> yeah, the bass. God, I like that bass. And so with the next rec- uh, your single, how are you going, how would you um, get inspiration for um, the, the next photo shoot to relate to the album? What is your process? Right. Well, this time around, it's different. I think as you get a little bit older, you realize that you want to, um, I mean, definitely want to make art. I have always been an artist and always will be an artist, but you also realize that you want your art to create positive change Mm -hmm. in the world. And Mm -hmm. I've been percolating on that for a number of years now. And um, one of the changes that I'd like to see in the world is for women to be treated equally and afforded equal rights um and just in the workplace and in general to be able to vote to be able to be educated equal access to health care and right now that's just not really um the case in many first and not first you know world countries um so my goal with this particular with the content matter for this single and this upcoming album will be to try and create awareness to raise money around these issues and um, and to kind of create a support system. So that is, that's what it's about. <laughs> okay, great. I'm a bit of an audiophile and I love uh, listening to music through um, pure class A vacuum tubes. Uh, do you play with a vacuum tube system or uh, electronic system? Um, I have a about five different amps and so um some of my i'd say mid size and smaller size amplifiers are a combo well they're mostly solid state class d okay. um which means that they have two i think ax7 tubes in the preamp section okay. and then after that they're solid state which allows them to be super lightweight mm-hmm. um my big big gun for like when i played with zeparella and um also when i played with Narda michael walden I bring out my all tube head, which weighs about 90 pounds or 85 pounds. Mm-hmm. And that has a number of, has like, how many is it? Eight or 10 larger tubes. And I can't remember the name of them right now. Um, in addition to a whole tube preamp section, which is of course what makes it heavy. So I do love that sound. It gives it a much more kind of squishy, warm, um, just kind of earthy tone to it solid state is clean and it's nice for slapping and certain styles but the warmth of the tubes i agree with you it's great yeah i love the vacuum tubes and i was listening to this recording i was trying to figure out this sounds a little bit different than most recordings i've ever heard from other artists unless of course you go back and listen to like the Jimi hendrix or some stuff that prince was made and you would hear that warm three-dimensional type feel that's not fatiguing to the ear. You want to turn it up louder and louder and you want to get up and like dance to it. Like that's what the um, Black Molasses song uh, reminds me of. And I thought, there's a lot of things that are going on here that are familiar but different. So I was writing down some notes I wanted to ask you about that because a lot of artists don't think about that. Or like even recorded with Norman Mikes, for instance. So all these things makes a big difference in a recording. Uh, whereas today's days, most people just put together like a little inexpensive system and go out there and riff. And of course, you want to turn the volume down and down and down because it's a little edgy to the ears. Whereas your recordings, you want to turn it up and up and up and you want to dance to it. 
well thank you i appreciate that and yeah i'm a sucker for a good neumann mic and uh la2a and you know a neve console so <laughs> yeah i was i was um listening to the recording and i was speaking to a young lady here in istanbul i'm just traveling over here and she automatically says wow this sounds great and she immediately took her iphone out and started looking on um, iTunes to, to get a copy because she says this sounds incredible and I thought oh okay and most people I've uh, did a little bit of survey with over the last week or so they all have said the same thing wow this sounds great they wasn't sure why it sounds great but it also sounds ac- ac- acoustically great well thank you I very much appreciate you sharing my music and I appreciate the kind words. Well, that's what a lot of uh, artists don't get these days. They just put something together and they just assume everyone will just uh, like it without putting in all this kind of forethought. And now I know why I like your music even more now because you put all this forethought into making it sonically appealing and appeasing as well. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I do appreciate that. And I have to give a little bit of credit to, to I've had the great honor and privilege of um, working with one of the greatest producers um, in the history of times named Narda Michael Walden. He produced Aretha Franklin and Mariah Carey. And he was also the drummer for Jeff Beck and Mahavishnu Orchestra and Aretha Franklin for many years. And I have had the honor of playing in his band for the last nine years and also working as one of his um, studio kind of base, his, um, what do you call it, uh, just people that he calls to come in and lay down tracks for other artists. So um, I've learned a lot by working from him um, in terms of just how to get good sounds and, you know, engineering techniques and stuff like that. So. My goodness, you have a breadth of knowledge when it comes to this. How long have you been in the music industry? Or is it something you just started later in life? Or when you were like a child or in a, in a band when you were in high school? Or how did it all uh, came about? Well, um, I always had an interest in music um, from a young age. I remember, you know, my father playing jazz. He always had it to the jazz station here in the Bay 91.1 KCSM. And then I remember my mom playing a lot of classical music and I grew up dancing ballet. So I was always exposed to music from a young age. Um, I started playing the bass when I was in high school in the jazz band and sort of fell in love with it at that point. Um, but I was a hobbyist through college. I went to UC Berkeley for a degree in pre-law and um, sort of had an epiphany in my after I graduated that um, instead of like pursuing a law degree and practicing law that I actually wanted to pursue my music, which was of course terrifying because uh, it's a much less stable career (laughs) than being a lawyer. But, um, you know, but you can't really ignore a calling. I think music chooses you and that became apparent within years. So I, about the time, uh, I guess I was 26, I took the dive into officially pursuing not just being a hobbyist and playing in bands and playing jazz gigs around town and, you know, just having a good time playing music, but I actually took the dive into to committing myself to uh, creating a career in the industry. And it, you know, it was funny. One gig turned into two and two turned into four and you start to build your name in the community and then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're out touring the world. So I feel very blessed and thankful. Well, that's amazing uh, that you selected a bass guitar. 
to work with primarily because you don't see a lot of uh, women in the music industry that select that instrument as a primary instrument. Yeah, it is more rare. It's becoming more common now, actually. Fender, I think, published some recent statistics that I think like 49, somewhere between 49 and 52% of their new buyers Mm -hmm. for guitars and basses are um, young girls or women. So we are coming, we're coming up. (laughs) That's great to see. But yeah, when I started playing, which is, you know, a few years back, uh, it's, it was not as common. Um, Rhonda Smith, Carol played for Prince and currently plays for Jeff Beck. Um, Carol Kay, who's, you know, part of the wall of sound and one of the most prolifically recorded um, bass players for the Beach Boys and all sorts of stuff. Um, She, she was my hero, but there aren't, you know, there aren't a ton of us. <laughs> <laughs> for the upcoming video for your single, what is the process um, for you to start to figure out, okay, how do I want to do it? How do I want to light it? What do I want to wear? What's the theme's going to be? Can you walk us through that? It's tough. Videos are tough because unless you have like a $100,000 budget, which most independent artists like myself don't have, your video can look really amateur, you know, can look really amateur and I think that can be actually more harmful than helpful so being an independent artist and making an interesting and good video with a small budget is a challenge um and that's always something that I I feel like I've learned from my mistakes (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, my own personal mistakes and learned from watching other people um and so it's a tough it's a it's a good question and you have to approach it different every time depending on what you know your content is and all that so to be honest i'm still brainstorming okay don't have yeah a specific answer um the good news is if you look at a lot of new artists that are emerging new and you know very young artists that are emerging some of the videos like you know of course do a leap on people with an entire industry and millions of dollars behind them are still doing kind of high-end videos but if you look at a lot more independent artists they're coming up with some videos that uh, are intentionally more rough around the edges and in some ways that can be really liberating um for all of us so i might be kind of thinking in that direction since you know since i don't have the million dollar budget or the hundred thousand dollar budget even (laughs) (laughs) well there's a lot of talent in california especially in the uh, universities uh, learning how to produce and make films. And, and speaking of the film, would you shoot it on digital or would you uh, shoot it on analog? Whereas uh, Tarantino would not shoot any of his movies on digital. He only shoots on film, film only. So film is giving that other look that people can see. They're not too sure what it is, but it kind of pulls them in. Mm, yeah, uh, most likely digitally because of the budget um, factor again. Mm, okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. And how do you go about uh, your release? Do you just um, put it on billboards, put it in the magazines, or how's that process works out? Well, um, you know, in a if we weren't in a pandemic, of course, we would have a, a release party. <laughs> ah, invite <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, on a local level, which is always super fun. Um, in terms of online, uh you know, usually there's just a release date, and um, I have a, I have a kind of a, what would you say, a family of people that I let know, like um, Bass Musician Magazine, um, um, Bass Magazine, 
um, Guitar Girl magazine. You know, there are a number of publications that have always been incredibly supportive of my craft. Um, mm -hmm. I usually just kind of put out the word, and um, if I'm lucky enough, they'll do an interview and sort of support the release. Hmm, okay. Well, that's, that's one good organic way of uh, getting the music out these days. Um, will you be touring in Europe soon? Well, once the pandemic is all wrapped up, or you just basically stay on state size? Mm, I love Europe, and I miss Europe, and I've been every year for the last seven or eight years, and I'm so sad not to be there right uh, now. I, I come every summer, and... Um, yeah, it's just been really, it really bummed me out this year to not get over there. And I certainly hope, I mean, I don't have anything on the books right now, but I certainly hope that I'll be making music back over there very soon. Which, which country specifically that um, you, you like the most for your music in Europe? Well, the ones that I've been to so far and made, had the honor of making music in are, are Germany. I've taught at the Warwick Base Camp five years in a row. I've, did some festival work in France. Um, I am half French and half Greek, so I've also been down to Greece four times, but that was more just vacation. Um, <laughs> Spain, Spain, I've played some shows in. Um, where else have I been? Oh, Italy. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm hoping to do some more exploring, but those are the places I've been so far. Okay, great. I always like to ask artists when they're on the road, because everyone has funny experiences that occur while they're on the road. Do you have any uh, sh things you're gonna, you can share? But keep in mind, we're a PG audience. <laughs> ah, right. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's that story. <laughs> yeah, well, no. It's, sometimes it's hard when people ask me. The tumbleweed goes by and I'm like, I know I have a thousand pretty hilarious stories, but I can't, I have to think about that for a second. Um, well, I remember one time being on the road, I mean, this isn't necessarily a great story, but we had been, it was a, one of the larger, longer drives that we had, it was 17 hours, and, and there were some tensions in the band, and it was just, you know, when you're in a van that long, or a, a sprinter, it's like, oh, you know, it gets... It gets tough, and we were almost about an hour away from the hotel, and um, the person driving the Sprinter put, uh, what was it? Yeah, it was a diesel, so they put unleaded in the diesel. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh, my God. So she had to sit there and, like, stay in the van while the rest of us took a cab for an hour to try and get to the to the hotel. And I mean, it was just like, you know, the things that happen on the road are pretty amazing so i know that's not the most fun story but um well, gosh i don't know the other times i guess being up in timmins canada and getting snowed in and um just you know catching literally the like some find, finding some random plane that would was willing to kind of get us back right before the you know this whole storm came in which is sort of terrifying because you always hear about all these musicians dying in plane crashes and i was like oh great oh, no. you know white white knuckling the seat as it <laughs> this like <laughs> propeller plane takes off in the middle of a storm going oh i hope we get back so um those are more trials and tri tribulations than actually fun stories i have to think about the fun story one <laughs> <laughs> well do drop me a line in an email 
So you're anticipating this single to be dropped to drop in maybe three months or sometime next year? I hope by the end of the year. Yeah, it's um, I do hope by the end of the year. It's uh, I was gonna tell you the title, but maybe not. I'll just wait. Yeah. Yeah. So I will keep I'll be in touch when it's out for sure. Yeah, please email me. We'd like to help you uh, put the word out on it. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this discussion. Yeah, I did too. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, say hello. And it's really lovely to meet you. And I wish you the best of luck with Final Level Music and all your ventures. Yeah, I do. Thank you and appreciate that. In the meantime, stay safe and take care of yourself. And I look forward to your next recording. All the best. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.